He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with the program today. We are in the last days study because we are in the last days. So many things are happening in the world. Obviously, Las Vegas being the the newest one, and uh, it, that is a that's sad. In fact, my son actually played in one of the bands that was there during the shooting. Now, praise the Lord. I pray for my kids. I pray for my wife. I pray for you know people I know. I pray for family. I pray for you. I pray for my listening audience. And I just pray that uh, the Lord keeps them safe. I, uh, every, whenever my son's on the road, he's on the road a lot. He plays for the Josh Abbott Band. And uh, so I just pray that he stays safe. Well, he said something just uh, drew him away. As soon as he got through playing, something drew him away from the uh, uh, from the rest of the concert and the festivities. And he said he didn't want to hang around with any of that. And so he got on a plane and came home. Well, of course, we know what drew him away. It was the Holy Spirit. Uh, or the angels, you know, the, the, the messengers that God sends to actually protect us as well. And uh, he was safe. And in fact, the rest of his band is safe also. The, they did get uh, close to the, the action. A couple of them had some shrapnel wounds in them, but, uh, but they, were, they were minor wounds. So thank you, Lord, for that. You know, I'm praying for those in Las Vegas, those who lost their lives. I'm praying for their families. Those who are still fighting for their lives, I'm praying for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you will uh, bless these these that uh, have gone through this ordeal and that you will convict those who were the cause. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch each and every one of them, that this might be a life-changing event that they turn to you and they understand that you are in control. All of these things happen. We know, I believe they happen for a reason, and that reason is to turn people towards Jesus Christ. So I pray in the name of Jesus, this will be that event that will change hearts, change minds, uh, turn them around completely, that they might come back to you and give you the praise and the worship. So in the name of Jesus, amen. You know, you know, we're, we've been doing this last day's study. I, I do want to push just very quickly a little small commercial. I've got a brand new book out. It's called Fear Not, Angels Have Your Back. It's ironic, I think, even with the, what we've seen in Vegas, uh, it could have been one of God's angels that brought my son out of out of danger because of of what I've prayed. And um, you know, God uses these kind of things, like I said, to turn them, turn people to Him. And in a, in the Book of Revelation, in the last days, in the actual tribulation period, there will be people where all of the tribulation is going. God's wrath is being poured out. And these people, instead of turning to God, they will recognize that it's God doing this. But they will, instead of turning to him, they will curse him and shake their fist at him. That's what scripture tells us. And so, but God, God's plan is for them to turn to him 
and accept him and understand that what he's doing, his chastisement comes from love. It doesn't come from hate. It doesn't come from, from wanting, wanting to condemn anyone. It comes from uh, wanting everyone to be saved. And, of course, they will decide or, or, or not decide which one it is that they're going to choose. And uh, that's, that is happening right now. That's happening today. Unfortunately, America is not turning to God. America is turning more and more away from God. God allows these disasters to happen to uh, get people to come to him, and instead they turn away from him all the more because they are deceived by the deceiver. Well, I have a new book out called Fear Not, Angels Have Your Back. If you're interested in that book, you can go to Amazon.com, put in Fear Not, Angels Have Your Back, and uh, you can purchase that book. It would be appreciated, and uh, thank you so much. But more than that, I hope it gives you some insight as to how much God loves you and what he does to uh, ensure that your safety is ensured until you make your decision. Once you make your decision to accept him or reject him, and then it's kind of like all bets are off, as that uh, you might say, because once you have rejected Christ and he's tried to the to the nth degree, to the last time that he could try, that's when he brings those who do not know him home, and uh, and then those who are finished with their work here, those whom he's uh, have accepted him, whom whom he has uh, ordained, that is the time when he brings them home when their work is completed. So, you know, as a Christian, dying is not the worst thing. That I can't seem to get people to understand that uh, that concept of Christians especially it seems it seems like they would understand it more than anyone but dying is not the worst thing dying is the best thing in fact when we die if you are in Christ if you know Jesus Christ as your lord and savior when you die you go to live with God forever in a place that you can't even imagine you know we always we always talk about mansions and streets of gold and all of that kind of thing, that is going to be, that's just all we can fathom. That's all our our finite mind can fathom. But the infinite God says that there's nothing that we can imagine in, in what heaven is going to be like. So death for the Christian is not death at all. Death for the Christian, the death of this body that we live in, this this case, this casing that, that God has given us, is only so that... Um, uh, we walk out of this body into the next life, and then we get a glorified body. I mean, that glorified body means it can no longer be harmed. Uh, it's going to be free from disease, and and it's going to be an awesome existence. So that for the Christian, death it should be welcome and understood, and just looked at it as just a a separation for a brief time until we can meet our loved ones once again. Now, for the non-Christian. That's a whole nother story because you too have eternal life. Unfortunately, for the non-Christian, for the unbeliever, for those who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, for those, what they have to look forward to is a life of, of an eternal life of gnashing of teeth and of pain, of disaster, of remorse, of uh, uh, absence of absolute total absence of love. And and we cannot understand or fathom the absolute 
absence of love. We can't understand that. So really, when you put it in that context, hell is going to be something that we can absolutely not comprehend either. So you take the two, and God wants to bring us to himself. And that is why he brings us sometimes to the brink uh, of danger so that we might turn to him and trust him and allow him to be in control. And so that's why I believe these things like is happening in Las Vegas. Uh, there's there's also there's also um, um, things at work that we don't understand the spiritual aspect. We keep discounting the spiritual aspect. Yes, was this man a maniac? Absolutely, he's a maniac. But he was led by evil. He was led by Satan. Uh, the spiritual implications of the things that are going on right now cannot be discounted. So continue to uh, seek God, ask him what you are to do in this life. And in, in the meantime, those that do not know Jesus, if you are an unbeliever and you are listening to this broadcast, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll begin, your eyes will begin to open and that the, the uh, scales will fall off of your eyes, that you might see and understand God is calling you to himself. He wants you to come to himself so that you might have eternal salvation because the best thing for you is God. Well, we're going to continue our topic this week in, in the last days. We're in First Peter, and we're in the first chapter of First Peter. I'm going to start on the 17th verse, even though I think I read that a little bit last week, but I'm going to start there anyway, uh, just so we can understand a little, make sure that we understand the context. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as strangers here in a reverent fear. Now, now we already talked about that a little bit in the very beginning of the book of or, or of this of this letter from Peter, and it says in First Peter chapter one verse one says to God's elect strangers in the world. Now we've already discussed that a little bit, but I want to refresh your your memory. We are strangers. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You should not be comfortable in this world. We are strangers in this world. You should you should be feeling very uncomfortable and restless, in fact, in these last days because we know that Jesus is coming soon. You should be restless to know what you should be doing for Christ as you are preparing for his soon return. And it says that since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Now, many, and I'm one of them, God says that we can be friends. Jesus says we can be friends. But that does not preclude the fact that he is still a fearful and wonderful God. We must revere him in reverence and understand that he is all-powerful, and it's only because of his grace that we can call him friend. So we should still make sure that we understand that we we have to hold him in reverence. And I think that's something that's missing in a lot of churches today, that that reverent fear of God. Not not fear necessarily that he's looking around so that he can say, oh, well, Rick's doing this. Let me see if I can strike him today. No, it's not that kind of fear. It's a respectful fear of understanding that um, that he is absolutely sovereign and in control of this entire planet, this entire universe, God is in control. Understanding that's the kind of fear that we are talking about. It's not the fear that we would be 
worried about being dead or, or God just waking up one morning on a, on a bad side of the bed, well, God never sleeps. So we don't have to worry about him waking up on the bad, the wrong side of the bed. So, you know, God is sovereign, but he is also to be feared because we understand that he has absolute control over the entire universe. So he is to be revered. For you know, in verse 18, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I'm going to, I want to talk about that for just one second. It is not because if you're looking to silver or gold or material possessions in this life to get you through this life, that's why you're struggling. If you're struggling right now today, that's why you're struggling, because you keep seeking those things that can't satisfy, for one, and they can't solve your problems for another. I use this this analogy quite often, uh, this example, I guess I should say, because it, but it's absolutely true. If you look at Hollywood, and Hollywood has everything that everybody is always talking about they want. They have mansions, they have beautiful women, they have handsome men, they've got... Anything that you could desire, fleshly de- desire, is it can be had in, in Hollywood. Money, uh, it doesn't possessions, cars, you name it. It can be if it can be desired in Hollywood, you can attain that. Well, where are where do you hear about the most suicides and uh, the most divorces and all of those other things that happen? Hollywood. All of that money buys them nothing. The silver or gold that they place all of their value in is nothing because they will not place their value in God. They will not lift up Almighty God. They will not call him on Him as their Savior. God is actually in control. If you're looking to silver or gold instead of God, that is why your life is in turmoil. Give your possessions up to God. Dedicate everything you have to God. Dedicate your money. Dedicate your talents. Dedicate every single thing that you have right now to God, and he will bless you. Well, as we continue, I want to bring Brother Ron Stoidel into the conversation. Brother Ron, um, revere, you know, we're supposed to look at God in reverent fear. And, and, uh, I, I think that has, that has been discounted much in the church today. Now, like I said before, I think that um, it's great we can call Jesus friend. He says we can. But also, we we need to make sure that we understand he is God uh, and God, the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit should, been, should be hold, uh, held in high reverence and not taken advantage of. And I think a lot of times people use that to take advantage. Right. And if we look at what the word fear means, it's a sincere respect. It's not that we're scared of God. And uh, a lot of the problems that I see of church people these days is that they fear the world more than they fear God. If you look at, at teachers in schools, Absolutely. they refuse to to stand up for the Bible because they're more concerned about their paycheck. If you look at politicians that... On the campaign trails, they talk about all these great things they're going to do for the church or for Christians or their beliefs. And then when they get into office, they don't stand by any of those because once they get their money, they're worried about maintaining it. So there's this respect. I see it a lot from supposed church people 
that they say one thing, but then when it comes to their worldly possessions, they end up fearing or respecting the world more than they do God because they don't really trust God like they say they do. One example would be teachers in public schools. I know public schools t- still teach a lot of things they shouldn't. They they promote homosexuality. They teach evolution. A lot of things like that. Well, if you've got a Christian teacher teaching that, they're not obeying God. And when you question them about it, more often than not, you get the concern of, well, I'll lose my job. And then I come back to them and I go, so what you're telling me is you don't trust God to do what's best for you in that situation. You're more concerned about losing your job and trusting the world to provide for you than for God. That's exactly right. And in fact, if you do now, there are two scenarios. One is that you speak up for God and you don't lose your job and people's lives are changed. Or two, you speak up for God and you do lose your job and you trust God and he brings you something better than you could have ever thought might have happened. So there, you know, the, but the bottom line is trusting God. That, that's the, that's the theme here is that trust God. Now I'm here to tell you in my life, there are times, you know, I speak about trusting God on the on the radio a lot, and people are, well, that's easy for you to say. Well, trust me, it's not easy for me to say. But I, this ministry is, it, it operates on faith. This ministry operates on the support from God. It does not operate on the support from you. Uh, <laughs> quite frankly, if it if it operated on the support from from uh, the people listening, then. You know, this ministry could not keep going. So we, mm. we make sure that we get the support from God and He has supported this. He keeps it going. It's the same. He sustains your life. Do you trust God in your life now? You know, some of you may not be in the ministry. Maybe you are in a high paid position. You still have to trust God. And, and so you trust God. Are you going, God, are, I'm going to still speak for you. Are you going to continue my high paid position? Or are you going to make a change because I've been faithful? Now that sounds, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? But because I'm faithful, God may make a change. But I can tell you this from experience. When God makes a change, it's always for the better when you look back. Well, some people think that, well, I'm not in the ministry, so I'm not really doing the work. But by you contributing to a ministry, you really are in the ministry because you're allowing that ministry to progress and grow. So in my eyes, you actually are a part of that ministry and you're helping the ministry grow. And actually, I think that though uh, everyone who says, well, I'm not in the ministry, you're wrong. You are in the ministry. You, If you are doing what God has told you to do, you are in the ministry. In other words, so what's God told you to do? He said, well, we've already just talked about that. Earlier in the program, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Since you call on a father, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're calling on a father. If you're, not, if you're only calling on him if you're in the ministry, then you've got a problem. Uh, this is a relationship. If you're a believer, that means you're calling on the father. That means... You should be walking in the spirit of prayer, just like uh, uh, Paul says, pray continually. And how do you pray continually? It's that um, 
It's that mindset of prayer. It's that mindset of God 24-7. And that is absolutely possible. That is not an impossible um, way of living. That is absolutely possible that you're always walking mindful of God and then he guides your steps because of that. And so if you're calling on a wonderful father, then you're in the ministry no matter what it is you're doing. Well, I looked at my own situation. I was praying for four years to be a part of this ministry. I didn't wait for this ministry to come about and then start praying that it would be a success. I was praying for this years ago before I even knew you existed, Pastor, or this ministry. So, And that's the perfect example. I was praying to God to bring this ministry to me, which, and at the time I didn't know what it was, so I was praying for a ministry. But that's the whole thing. You pray for what you want. Don't wait for what you want and then start praying for it. Exactly. Because, because as you walk, as you're walking, you, you should be contributing to some ministry, even if it's only showing up on church, giving your tithe. But I'm going to, I've got to take it that one step further. That's not enough. If that's all you're doing in your life is showing up on church and giving your tithe, showing up to church, giving your tithe, then you need to pray to God. What can you, what, how, how can you use me? I want to minister the gospel for you. You've, you've got to get on your knees. We are in the last days. I mean, look at the weather. Look at the wars, the rumors of wars. Look at everything that is going on. Evil is rampant. Good is evil and evil is good, just as was predicted in the word of God. Uh, so we are in the last days. How much longer do you want to wait? Do you want to wait until it is too late and you've done nothing? Or do you want to step out and stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words that I long to hear upon seeing Jesus. And like you said, if you are only going to church and giving your tithe and think that you're fulfilling God's commands, you're not because you're not fulfilling the Great Commission. You're not going out there and being a disciple to the world, which also fulfills the second great commandment from Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. How can you love your neighbor as yourself if you're not out there witnessing to him? Then you're not fulfilling multiple commandments that Jesus gave. Now, of course, we've already discussed that, uh, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed. You are redeemed if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so what is redemption? Redemption is something where it's paid a price. That's what redemption is. Your, your price has been paid. Whatever it is that you have done, it is covered in the blood of Jesus because of his redemptive uh, sacrifice, but you have been redeemed. That word, we use that word a lot, redeemed, and uh, we don't really know what it means, but it, it's really an exciting word because it means that it was absolutely paid for by someone else. It was redeemed. You are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was a man who walked on this earth absolutely sinless. And now I know there's things going on around the world right now that they're trying to say, oh, well, Jesus did this or Jesus did that. So he wasn't sinless. He was absolutely sinless. That is a lie of Satan. Anytime that you hear that uh, something that Jesus did, that you need to to um, 
investigate that because it all of those that I've heard, once you investigate it, number one, what does Satan do? When he was talking to Jesus and trying to deceive him, he gave him partial scriptures. And of course, he's speaking to the word. Jesus is the word, okay? So Satan was speaking to the word, trying to to uh, confuse him. And, and even though he's speaking to the word, and of course, the word came back to him and gave everything in its context and its entirety. And so Satan could not defeat him by using the word because Jesus is the word. So make sure that when you hear these lies of Satan, that you check them out with scripture because they are always wrong. Verse 20, as we continue. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now, now we need to stop for just a second, and we need to go back to John, the very first chapter, starting in the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Well, when they use the word beginning, it, that's for us, because we don't understand eternal God. There, God has no beginning and no end. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the first and the last. He has always been. Well, we can't fathom that. That's just something we cannot understand. So he uses those words, the beginning, so that we can understand, partially understand, as, as the, with this finite mind, because we know that we, in our mind, everything has to have a beginning and everything has to have an end. But that's not the way it is with God. And so Jesus was with God and was God, and of course, it still is God, of course, through him, verse 3, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The world is the darkness. Jesus shines in the in the world, but the world has not understood him. Verse 6, there came a man who sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. This is talking about John the Baptist now. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, who, of course, now we're talking about Jesus once again. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the man that is also God, and we can't understand being fully man and fully God. God, Jesus was not like one of these Greek characters like Hercules who is half man, half God. Number one, that's mythology and, Je- and Jesus is truth. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. And that means 200%. And that really is uh, not possible in the worldly standards. But God is God. And so we know that Jesus is fully man and fully God. 
and we are to revere him because he is all powerful powerful with the Father. One verse that you just read there that really sticks out to me is where it says the world did not recognize Jesus. If we look at the de- the biblical definition of the world, it is not a spiritual definition in the f- sense that the world belongs to Satan. So if something godly spiritual comes into a world that belongs to Satan, they're not going to recognize it because they don't understand it. And we should be the same way where our spiritual walk, the world is almost confused on why are they this way, and that's why they should be interested in our Christian walk to become a part of it. If we look, if we as Christians look like the world, then they wouldn't think that they would need to change their ways because they would recognize us and we would seem familiar to them. We need to not be understood by the world so that they see that we're different and they want to be like us because I like to say that we're righteous, which we should be, and they should want to be like that. Well, and and it, which brings us right back to the very first verse once again, that we are strangers in the world because yes. we are not part of this world. If we are in Jesus Christ, we are not part of this world. We are part of the world in heaven. We are part of God's world. We are foreigners and we are strangers in this world. So uh, as long as we live like that, if people do not see us living like that, then they begin to say, just exactly like Ron is saying, well, then what do I need to change from? They, they're just like me. And, and I get to sleep on Sunday. You know, so why should I worry about it? Well, because you're not living according to Christ if people do not recognize that you are a different person than uh, than what they are if they do not recognize that man something about you is different then uh, then you're not living your life according to the way Christ would have you well that's about all the time that we have for today uh it's another exciting study i uh, i love talking about the bible and and i'm liking this last day's study which <laughs> All these studies have to be the last days because we're in the last days. First Peter is one of my favorite books, and so uh, it's been exciting sharing it with you. I pray that you will come back again tomorrow and hear more of this study. Until next time, I pray you receive his gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. I was so empty deep within. my spirit see and you forgave me of my sin I live again today your love has shown the way I hear you calling me I love you and though my heart was stained your loving blood poured out like rain
grateful you would be Your love you show 